For nearly 30 years, Pastor Darala Francis, a pastor from India, had faithfully led a ministry that served the disadvantaged in Western India. He has been uh, sharing his faith. He has been helping the poor. But on July 9, 2015, his reputation caught up with him. An angry mob beat him severely and conspired to burn him to death. You know, this pastor had spent six months in 2015 to, to reach out a certain village in Western India. They have been praying for the sick, they have been praying for, uh, they have been serving the poor, and they have been distributing Christian literature. Gradually, Hindus in that area and even Muslims have come to Christ. And his wife even said that uh, during Sundays, when they, when they preach the word, when they share the gospel, almost all the villagers would come and there would be no more people coming to the temples to light the candles. And this made the Hindus very angry. And on July 9, 2015, after praying for, for a family that he has shared the gospel with, the gospel with Pastor Darala was confronted by an angry mob. He was dragged outside. He was peep, uh, the, the, around 500 Hindus dragged him and beat him up severely. And the mob took him to the village court system. They call it Nyaya Panchayat, where, they, where he was condemned for sharing the gospel to Hindus. But despite the pain of his injuries, including a fractured rib, he remained quiet. And then members of the mob took him to a small room where they continued to punch him and kick him. They were uh, singling out his vital organs so that they, they, there won't be uh, blood, but there would be internal injuries. And then they decided, these attackers decided and began discussing setting the pastor on fire. After praying with, with, with friends, the pastor's family learned that he had been taken to a police station primarily for his own safety. And someone, apparently someone had called the police and the police came in time, just in time before the mob was about to douse him with gasoline. When the police released him, they ordered him to stay out of the village and to report to the station weekly to make, to make sure he was following their command. While he was currently being forbidden to, to visit the village, God used that incident to advance his kingdom. Local newspapers and TV stations picked up the story and Pastor Darala was able to share his experience and he used those interviews as an opportunity to share his faith, faith rather, and glorify Christ. And he said that those interviews made much more than the months that he shared the gospel to the village, and many more were attending his church after the incident became known. And since the attack, Pastor Derala met some of his attackers. There was one instance that he met three of his attackers, and they recognized him, and they asked him, weren't you the person who, who came to our village? And he said, yes, I am. I am that person. And they said, aren't you afraid to die? And he said, no, I'm not afraid to die. And they said to him, sorry, forgive us. 
We have been forced to do this from others, and we didn't have any intention to do anything to you, but we were forced to do this. But will you forgive us? And you know what Pastor Darala said? He said, Jesus Christ forgives people, and that he, I would also forgive you. And, and since then, this man asked, can you share to us Jesus Christ? And he shared to them about Jesus Christ, and they accepted Jesus as their personal savior. And he said, God also wants to bless your family. And the three men accepted Christ. And Pastor Darala is now fully recovered from the attack. And they are praying that they can come back to the village to be able to preach more of the gospel and that the travel restriction will be lifted. And so let me ask you, have you been persecuted for your faith? Have you suffered for doing what is right? Have people plot evil against you because you follow Jesus Christ? Our stories may not be as dramatic, or maybe it, it can be dramatic as Pastor Darala, and it can be as dangerous as Pastor Darala, but I know one way or another, our faith and our being followers of Jesus Christ have cost us one way or another. It may be severed relationships because we have come to know Christ. People have looked at us, our families have looked at us as breaking tradition, rebelling against family beliefs, or because of our faith, we are choosing to do good, and people are, are allergic to us, and they're telling us, and they're smart shaming us when we don't cheat, when we are honest, ay, ito yung, ito yung pahuli. They call us that. And maybe because our faith in Jesus gets in the way of our allegiances, we follow Jesus more than the powerful figures of this world, and people are angry at us. And yet in all this, we are called to do good, not to retaliate, to welcome suffering, to bless those who do wrong to us, to follow Jesus' example. Our title this morning is, Because of Our Hope in Christ, We Can Do Good Even When People Do Evil Things to Us. We'll be looking at 1 Peter Chapter 3, verse 8 to 22. And as we start, let us look at this. As God's holy people living as pilgrims in this hostile world, we will surely face persecution for our faith and suffer for doing what is right. But we are called to hope in Christ as we look forward to our heavenly home. We can do good even when, we do e when people do evil things because we know that God grants us, because we know that doing good grants us God's blessing. It gives us an opportunity to share our faith, and it guides us towards Christ's example. Before we continue, a little review of what we've gone through already in First Peter. So in chapter 1, verse 2 to 12, we look at our salvation in Jesus Christ, and that it brings forth new, uh, new identity. We are now pilgrims longing for our heavenly home. And we are God's people. We have been brought from darkness to light. And in chapter 2, to 2.13 to 3 to 7, it is our submission to Jesus Christ 
And it is a call to live faithfully as free servants, as good citizens, and as Pastor Nathan said last, last week, as good husbands and wives. And now in chapter 3, verse 8, it is our suffering for Christ in which we are called to be steadfast. We are encouraged to stand firm, and we will talk about this more today. And so the question that hangs, why should we do good even when people do evil things to us? Number one, because it grants us God's blessing. In verse nine, eight to nine, Peter said, finally, all of you be of one mind, sympathetic, lovers of your fellow believers, compassionate and modest in your opinion of yourselves. Do not pay back evil for evil or insult for insult. Instead, give blessing in return. You were called to do this so that you might inherit a blessing. What is Peter trying to tell us today? After Peter calls us to be good husbands and wife, he now sets his sights on how believers in the church should treat each other. And he describes how a church, a Christian community, a Christian family should look like. United, there is sympathy, there is brotherly love, there is compassion and humility. But, he, but here in verse 9, he also commands the believers to not to pay back evil for evil, nor insult for insult. Apparently, even in church, there are, during Peter's time, there are a lot of conflicts. And even Christians do evil things to each other. And it does not end during Peter's time. Even in our time, there may be people we have treated as family here in church or in other churches that backstab us, make false accusation against us, or worse, cheat and deceive us. When other, f other people hurt us, our natural instinct is to hit back, to retaliate. You know, in the Jewish cult culture, it was legal to inflict the same damage done to you. This was just justice to them, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. This is the law of exact retali retaliation, or lex talionis, and you've heard about this many times already. It bears the same principle that a person who has injured another person is to be penalized to a similar degree by the injured party, whether done with malice or done accidentally. In softer interpretations, it means the victim receives the estimated amount or the value of the injury in compensation. So the intent of this, of this law is to restrict compensation to the value of the loss and to avoid excessive retaliation. In, in Cebuano, I'm a Cebuano, there's a term for this, walay sukod sa balos. Ibig sabihin yung mga Cebuano, pag gumante daw, there's no measure. I will do anything. I will do threefolds, twofolds. And this law wants to restrict that. that. This law wants to limit that. And this law seemed fair. Pag, pag nasagasaan yung baka ng kapitbahay mo, he will replace the cow himself. If, if he cheated on you, he, if he robbed you, he will return 
what he has robbed you. And if there was life taken, life should be given in return. But what did Peter call us to do? In the pilgrim's life, as pilgrims, we are called to do so much more. He calls us not to repay evil done to us with evil, not to answer insult with another insult. And if that is not enough, we are commanded to give blessing in return. Wait a minute, Peter. What are you talking about? Tayo na nga ang nagawa ng masama. Tayo pa ang magpapakita ng mabuti. Is it not enough that we don't retaliate, that we don't hit back? And let God avenge us from the mistakes done to us. We are to bless those who do wrong to us. And there was one time I was driving in, along EDSA. I, I just picked up my wife in, at, at work. It was 2 a.m. I was already a bit sleepy. And then in my rear view mirror, I saw this white SUV speeding, overtaking me, and trying to get ahead of, our, of all of us. But we were going up the Santolan overpass, and unfortunately for him, he ran out of road, and there, was, there were orange barriers at the side. And so to be able to get ahead of us, he squeezed in into our lane, and I was the next person driving. We nearly collided. And so I made him understand that what he did was wrong. So I honked loud, and I honked long. And I think he understood that because when he passed me on the left side, when, when he finally passed me over, he, he also honked at me long and loud. And you know what I did? I honked long and loud again. Baka isa po sa inyo yun. Sorry po. And my wife, it took my wife to reprimand me. Ano ba yan? Tama na yan. My wife told me. That is wrong, he told me. And I said, baka may baril yan. Tinakot pa ako na asawa ko. And sometimes my wife would jokingly tell me that I will stick a pastor ako at the back of our car so that I won't get angry at people trying to squeeze in yung mga sumisingit. And if, 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 if I were to apply this command that Peter was telling me, I will not retaliate and I will give way to that person. And maybe, maybe I will also pray to that. And I will also pray for that person. Grabe naman, Lord. <laughs> but you know what? There's wisdom in this. Lately, I've, been be I've begun praying for people Yung mga nanggigit-git, yung mga sumisingit sa daan. Because I get irked by, by those things. And, and you know what? It has slowly changed my heart. It has slowly changed my heart. And I think maybe he's in a hurry. Maybe he's a new driver. And he's not bobo or tanga. And this is what Peter calls us to do. And the Lord is calling us to do. As children of God brought from darkness to light, as pilgrims of this life, we are called to do good to people who do evil things to us even more when they are our church mates, when, even, when they are 
our brothers and sisters in the Lord. Now, now I don't mean that we allow abuse or that we let people take advantage of us. It doesn't mean also that we, we don't take action when there is a crime involved. It just means that we do not retaliate. Rather, we respond in a way that is Christ-like and consistent with our identity as pilgrims, as children of God. And because we respond with blessing and react in kindness, we will also be granted blessing by the Lord. We will be blessed by the Lord. Peter quotes Psalm 34, verse 12 to 16. He said, those who want to love life and see good days should keep their tongue from evils, evil speaking and their lips from speaking lies. They should shun evil and do good, speak peace and chase after it. The Lord's eyes are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord cannot tolerate those who do evil. In a nutshell, Peter is saying that those who do good will receive blessing of God's presence in their lives. The Lord will be with them. He will listen to them and he will look after them. But those who will do evil, the Lord will be against them. He will not tolerate them. And as we do good, we also see the impact of our actions towards people. People's lives are changed. They thank us. They hug us sometimes. Our souls are enriched by our acts of kindness. We learn to be loving. Our health improves. Our BP will not shut up because we don't hold a grudge against other people. And we experience goodness ourselves. St. Augustine calls this the good things peculiar to the good. We know, you know we have a ministry at KES, Kamuning Elementary School, where we uh, coach uh, non-readers, grade two to three. Uh, we teach them about reading, and we also provide free breakfast. There, there was one time this teacher approached me and he said that some of our students have already gone to the next level because our teachers, by the way, are volunteers who are members here, have taught them well and they have learned to read. And there was one time, he also, this teacher also approached me, he said that one parent approached her and told her that I'll not bring my, my daughter to school anymore because wala siyang baon. And the teacher said, don't worry, CBCP has provided free breakfast for, for you. You just need to come here, bring your child and she can continue to study. Th those may be little acts of kindness, but it makes a difference in the lives of other people. And as I was hearing this, it warmed my heart, it encouraged me. These are the good, the good things peculiar to the good. And this is unknown to those who do wrong. Those who are selfish and spiteful and mean will never know the feeling of those who do good. It is something peculiar only to those who do good. Second reason that we do good things even when people do evil things is because it gives us an opportunity to share our faith. In verse 3, 13 to 17, chapter 3, verse 3 to 17 rather, now who is there to, ha to harm you if you're zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts, 
honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile, revile you, you revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil. Now, Peter shifts his focus from instructing believers on how to treat each other to tackling the, pra the, the present problem and the practical problem during his reader's time, the problem of persecution. He asks, whatever makes you think that you could possibly come to harm if you are zealous for doing good, may mangyayari ba sa yung masama kapag gumagawa ka ng mabuti? Shall good things happen to you if you do good? Shall bad things rather happen to you if you do good? And this reflects the general law and order of the Roman time. You know, the authorities and uh, the, the officers of the Roman Empire were, Roman Empire were, were called and were commissioned to do good to promote morality. But should it happen, Peter said, however, if you will be ill-treated, he reminds them of the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, verse 10. He said, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Peter quotes this. Now, the Beatitudes are not prescriptions for blessedness, nor was it means to obtain spiritual wellness. Hindi ito na gawin mo to so that you'll be blessed. So if that's the point, that these are prescriptions for blessedness, then we are to go out, persecute me, so I will be blessed. This is not what the Beatitude means. Rather, they are invitations of inclusion. If you are persecuted in this life, don't worry. The kingdom of God is yours. The Beatitudes, far from being a new set of virtues that further divide the religious haves and the have-nots, they are not meant to be like that. Rather, they are words of hope and healing to those who have been marginalized, to those who've been hurt, to those who've been persecuted, to those who've been wronged. Jesus is simply saying here that when you are persecuted for my sake, have hope. In my kingdom, you are fully accepted and loved. I will be with you. And so he encourages them that in view of blessedness and of our reverence of God, should you be persecuted and suffer for doing what is right, have no fear. Do not be discouraged. Stand firm. Wag matakot. Rather, be ready to defend your faith and share it to the whole world. There was a lot of persecution during that time. Yet Christians were not forbidden to defend themselves. Be it in a formal proceeding, be it in a court of law, or in front of those in authority who would question their beliefs, we, Peter is saying, you should use these platforms as venues for you to be able to explain your faith and offer a reason 
for the hope that is in you. We can see this in the life of Paul when he was called to defend his faith in, the, in, in front of King Agrippa. He boldly defended his faith and shared the gospel. Actually in Acts 26, 28 and 29, this is what it says. Then Agrippa said to Paul, do you think that in such a short time he can persuade me to be a Christian? Paul replied, short time or long, I pray to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am, except for this chains. Paul used the time of defense as a platform for him to be able to share the gospel. And this is what Peter is telling the Christians during that early time in the early church, use this venues to be able to share your faith, to share the hope that is in you. But in doing so, Peter reminds us to do it gent gently and with respect. Let's go back a little. Sabi niya, do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience. We are not to be abrasive or harsh in, and arrogant in telling people about Jesus. Sometimes people are not repelled by the message of the gospel. Rather, they are repelled by our arrogance sometimes. If we make them feel inferior, if we are rude, tanggapin mo na to, kundi, pupunta ka sa imperno. Tinatakot natin and we, and we don't show much grace even if people are not yet there. They have not yet understood it. And so we are called by Peter to be gracious. And so when people slander us, accuse us, and persecute us for our faith, they will be proven wrong because they will see that we are blameless in the sight of people and of God. Like the example of Pastor Darala, because he did not retaliate, he showed kindness and acted without fear because he knew he was doing nothing wrong and continued to preach the gospel. Even his attackers were drawn to him. And because of that, they also accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We are to welcome suffering and persecution if it's God's will for us to, to go through these things. And I don't know with you, but maybe you were going through the same circumstances right now in your families, in your workplaces, in your schools. Maybe people are persecuting you, doing evil things to you because you are a Christian and you refuse to do evil. Come to think about it, maybe he's using you to become his witness. Maybe he will use your reaction to the wrong done to you as a means to change the life of the person who is causing you to suffer. Let me ask you, how are we reacting? Are we showing love and grace, gentleness and respect, much grace so that we can use the circumstances to be able to share our faith and share the Lord's message of forgiveness? Lastly, 
Why do we do good even when people do evil things to us? Because number three, last point, God, it guides us towards Christ's example. In chapter 3, verse 18 to 20, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey. When God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to, good, to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. Peter is simply saying here, you know, this is a, a well-debated verse, but in, in, in light of our context, of the context of this verse, Peter is simply saying here that even Christ suffered for doing what is right. He did not retaliate, he died for our sins, so that he might bring us to God and bring salvation even to those who previously did not believe, those in the time of Noah. The, through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, his suffering, his death, and later his resurrection, through those acts of sacrifice, we can now come to God. We are cleansed, we are forgiven, and we are alive. Because Christ's obedience, even in suffering, God has placed him at his right hand. All authority on earth and on heaven is subject to Jesus. He has the last say. Now, I'm not saying here that we invite suffering Na pupunta tayo magpagsemana Santa. We we self-flagellate ourselves. I'm not talking about that. Nor am I talking about sufferings brought about by our wrong decision or the consequences of our sin. I am talking about the sufferings that are born out of our faith in Jesus and choosing to do what is right. Christ calls us blessed when we are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For we become part of God's kingdom. Jesus is with us. And we are, continue, we are to continue to do good even when people do evil things to us because Christ paid for our forgiveness even when people insulted him in the cross. Christ is our example and we have no excuse. Christ did it all. And as, and as pilgrims of this life, as children of light brought from darkness to light, we are to follow Christ's example. And so when we are tempted to retaliate, whatever your circumstances are, whatever offense are done to you, when we lose heart because, Lord, sobra-sobra na tong pinagdadaanan ko. I want to give up. I don't want to hold on to the faith anymore. When it seemed like God has abandoned us, this verse is saying, Peter is saying, look to Jesus. He suffered, he was faithful, 
and he was victorious. And so even as you suffer right now, even as you suffer for good, and if you are persecuted for following Jesus, God promises you, even as Jesus endured, he will be with you also. He said, those who endured to the end will be saved. And this is an assurance to all of us. He will be with us. He will help us. He will save us. And so, why should we do good even when people do evil things to us? Because it grants us God's blessing. We experience the presence of God in our lives. But in so doing, we also experience the good that is peculiar to the good. And it also gives us an opportunity to share our faith, our sufferings, whether how hard it is, are platforms for us to be able to present our faith. And lastly, it guides us towards Christ's example. Look to Jesus' example of love, patience, and grace. And I pray that you will be encouraged to hold on. As we end, as God's holy people living pil as pilgrims in this life, in this hostile world, we will surely face persecution for our faith and suffer for doing what is right. But we are called to hope in Christ as we look forward to our heavenly home. We can do good even when people do evil things to us because we know that doing good grants us God's blessing. It gives us opportunity for to share our faith and guides us towards Christ's example. May the, may the word of the Lord encourage you to do good even in the midst of suffering, in the midst of evil and persecution. May God bless us all. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word this morning. We know it's difficult. It's easier said than done. When, when people do evil things to us, our natural instincts is to retaliate, to hit back. But the Lord changed our hearts. As pilgrims, as children of God, as our identities are in you, Jesus, transform our hearts so that we may not only retaliate, but also to do good, show good. And so in, in so doing, we experience your goodness in our lives. I pray for my brothers and sisters here. I don't know what they're going through right now, Lord. But I pray that in their suffering, for saying no to, to the evil things in the world, for being honest, and for living out integrity in their lives, that you will be with them, that you will empower them, enable them to persevere, to be steadfast. And through their acts of goodness, Lord, and through their choosing to follow you, give them opportunities. Give them spaces in their lives, in their families, in their schools, their campuses, in their workplaces, in their companies, to be able to share their faith, the reason for the hope that is in them. And Lord, as we do this, empower us with your Holy Spirit. Strengthen us, O oh Jesus Christ, that we may 
live out your love, your grace as we look to you, as we allow you to change our hearts and transform us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.